0: I want to talk to you guys today about um, the choice to continue growing. And you you might relate to this uh, maybe in your professional life or in your relationships. That uh, there's there's a constant, we're constantly faced with a choice every day to decide do I want to keep growing or not. And of course this is true of our spiritual lives as well. And I'm going to be kind of speaking from the heart today because it's a choice that I feel like I'm having to make once again in my life. Uh, And here's kind of the tension. There's these two, almost like these two poles that have a magnetic draw, okay? There's there, there is God who we are created to know and love and be rela- in relationship with. And, and when we surrender our hearts to him and choose him, it is the most fulfilling thing in our life. And when we trust in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, it also gives us eternal life, right? There's an eternal life after our bodies die, and there's abundant life now. And, and all that is available in God. But if you're like me, there's also usually a, a draw to other things. And, and I've noticed, I don't know if it's the stage of life I'm in, I mean, I've got... I've got kids and now we have a dog and we have a house and it's like, it's like um, life has gotten really kind of comfortable, you know. I used to be this single dude and I, you know, just hang out with my friends, But now I come home and these kids run up to me and they love me and there's a dog wagging its tail and it's like my life has gotten really comfortable and, 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 and I, I praise God for that. But I, I sense this draw in my heart toward a life that maybe instead of fully seeking God, would really kind of be seeking comfort and pleasure and entertainment and ease. And uh, I'm sure none of you guys struggle with this at all, but I, but I do. Just this, the, the, I know there's nothing wrong with you know, comfort. I know there's nothing wrong with those things, but there's this, this tension in my heart that, that I sense the older I get. And I know some of you guys are like, you're only 12, but you know <laughs> since I was 8... I've sensed this, this um, like, man, you know, it'd it just be, there's just this, like, it's the gravity. It'd be the natural direction of my life to just go into a life of comfort and ease and security and entertainment. You could put it this way. I think we all have a tendency to drift out of commitment to God and into a life of I don't know how else to put it other than self-worship, right? A life where really most of the decisions I'm making are about how's it gonna make me feel? How's this gonna serve me in the end? And, and there's this, this tendency to drift this way. We see it in scripture, um, really the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. There's all these stories generation after generation of God's people. And very often God's people will go through a really hard time And that'll kind of get their attention. They'll be like, God, we love you. We're all out for you. And then God blesses them. And then they get like wealthy and fat and a little bit lazy. And and, well, you know, after a couple generations, uh, they're more into the self-comfort than into God. It's just a a natural drift. I grew up in Michigan and uh, we'd go fishing all the time because there's lakes everywhere. And I remember this lake where there's uh, these huge cliffs, you know, 100 or 200 feet up, and then you've got the water, and then the cliff keeps going down below the water. And there's really great fishing right along the edge there. So we'd take our motorboat over there, and we'd get about, you know, a long ways, 200 feet maybe from the edge, and uh, kill the motor. Still, you know, sometimes the lake would just be glass. And you drop your lines in. And you're hanging out and talking, looking at you know, trees and rocks and beavers and animals, right? There's just wildlife all around. And, and you're hanging out and talking and waiting for a fish to bite. And all of a sudden you look up and you have drifted. The, the wind slowly, subtly moves the boat. And you were 200 feet away from that cliff the last time you looked. And now you look up and it's like right there. You have to grab a paddle out and, you know, push off the rock so your boat doesn't slam into the rocks. Okay, there's just this this subtle drift. And I'm like, man, God, I, I, I feel like that in my life. I feel like, um, you know, I, I just, it's just, I so easily drift away from you. Or, or you might put it this way, that when your heart is, is uh, warm, like a burning coal, and you just uh, are warm toward God, that over time there's a tendency to just, cool and our hearts kind of cool down. I recently got to hang out with uh, a man of God who's about twice my age and he's just one of those kind of guys that I just want to be like. You know, when I'm his age, I want to I be like that. I want to have that kind of legacy and, and those kind of kids who are adults and those kind of grand, you know, I just, I want to be like that. And as I hung out with him, it's like I could almost smell on his breath That this guy, every time he has a choice to choose God, he just always chooses God. And and you might not know it from the outside because his life looks, you know, somewhat comfortable. And and there is some comfort there. But it's not because he's chosen comfort. He's just, you can just tell. You just hang out with him for a little bit. And you can just smell it on him. Like this guy always chooses God. And I want to be like that. And so I spent some time this last week studying a guy in the Bible who did that. And hopefully we can learn some lessons from him. His name is joshua and joshua was used by god to take territory for the kingdom of god took hundreds of square miles of literal territory joshua led a nation and joshua also has an incredible legacy and so i want you as you're thinking about well do am i in that drift away from god at the heart level i want to ask you two questions okay that might kind of stir some stuff up in your heart okay uh 2015 just started Uh, If you're mildly at all remotely goal-oriented, you've got some kind of goal for the year, right? You want to lose 20 pounds, or you want to have a better marriage, or you want to set aside for um, whatever to get something, or retirement. Okay, all good stuff, okay? Here's what I want you to think about as you think of 2015. I want you to think bigger, okay? First question, what territory does God want you to take for him in 2015? I've noticed in my own life, when my heart gets cold, then my spiritual ambition shrivels up, and I start to settle for much smaller goals—things like getting a different Land Cruiser or, you know, things that are, are fine. There's nothing necessarily wrong with them, but when my heart's cold, my my goals and vision for the kingdom are pretty small. And the warmer my heart gets, the more it's like. I'm like a young kid again. It's like, oh yeah, we can conquer the world for Jesus. Absolutely, right? And I've just noticed that that tracks with how warm or cold my heart is. And so, as you're thinking about 2015, and we're kind of investigating, has my heart gotten cold? I want to stir it up right now by saying, what's the territory? What's the? Is it? Uh, you know, and, and maybe it is that you want to lose 20 pounds, but but maybe you see it as you know. God gave me this body so that I can serve him on earth. I want to take care of this body, and I need to regain some territory right around here, okay? Or maybe there's some territory you need to gain in your marriage that you just know, like, hey, we're just surviving, you know? We got the kids, and we're together, but we're just kind of... I need to reclaim some territory of actually having some passion and love and a marriage that looks like what God describes. Uh, Maybe the territory for you is with a, a, a child or a grandchild, of you, you see other influences in, at work in their life, and, and not to be controlling on them, but you're gonna, God, this year, I wanna pray because I know only you can do it. I can't make it happen, but I wanna pray that you'd take some territory in that person's heart. Because you see, bigger goals, thinking bigger is thinking about people. Uh, people are eternal. Uh, other stuff on this planet, scripture tells us it's all gonna burn up. You know, all the, all the plasma TVs, all the land cruisers, yes all the land cruisers, all the houses, it's all gonna, it's all gonna burn up. Uh, the only things that are eternal are the word of God and people. Every person is made in God's image and has an eternal soul. So what's some territory, think bigger than you have been thinking, that God wants you to take in 2015? And next, what kind of legacy? What kind of legacy do you wanna have? It'd be easy to say, what kind of legacy do you wanna build? But we look at Joshua's life. Joshua has this incredible legacy. And as I was reading through the whole book, uh, I just saw over and over saying that God built Joshua's legacy. As Joshua chose God and aligned himself with God, God built for Joshua this incredible legacy. And I saw that again with that person I was telling you about earlier, man of God I want to be like. It's just like, man, God has built such a legacy through this guy, and now I see why. Because every time he's given the choice, he chooses God. Uh, I shouldn't say that because he's human. I'm sure he's imperfect, right? But, but he always comes back to God. He always chooses God. I was thinking of legacy. I was thinking of Jay Leno because Jay Leno has this incredible car collection. Uh, and in fact, yeah, I grew up in Michigan, which is part of why I'm a car nut. And the other part is just a defect in my personality, okay? But in Michigan, uh, the guy who started Little Caesar's Pizza Company, you know, $5 hot and readies and all that stuff, the guy who started Little Caesars like Jay Leno had this huge car collection and, and then like uh, every one of us will someday he died right so now his car collection is a museum in Michigan and I loved going to that growing up the, the Little Caesars Pizza Car Museum It's a great stop. okay well wh- where's Jay Leno going to be in 20 years well not on planet Earth okay and, and what will become of his car collection it'll probably be a museum that'll be his legacy and that he entertained people and if you uh, read some of the interviews that Jay has given since he got kicked off of his own show because he's too old now, you'll hear him saying, it's very sad, the thing that I most love to do in life, I'm now too old to do, and I don't really have a purpose in life anymore. So, so he's worked his whole life and he's got this legacy, entertainment and cars from the world system, Great from knowing scripture and how it all ends, that everything on earth is gonna burn up and every soul is eternal and we can show other souls the love of God and that investing in people is the greatest investment. Well, not really a great legacy. He could have thought a lot bigger. So I wanna encourage you, think bigger with your goals. Think bigger with your legacy. And, and, And together we're asking this question as we look at the text. How do we regain our faith when it's gotten weak? How do we warm our hearts back up when they've gotten cold? How do we get a spiritual hunger again when we've gotten just comfortable, apathetic, and a little bit lazy? And here's what we see in Joshua's life, our big idea today. We take territory and build a legacy. That is, you do the things that matter and you be fulfilled in doing them when you continually choose It's a continual choice. That's the theme we're going to see in our text today. It's great if you chose God yesterday. It's great if you chose God five years ago. It's great if you had an incredible time with God in your past that you can always look back to. But what Joshua teaches us is that every day we wake up and we re-choose. Whether we want to or not, we're making a choice every day to either choose God again or some other thing. In my case, you know, comfort, security. Well, a little bit about Joshua. Joshua was a one in a million, and that's because of his constantly choosing to trust God and to obey God. And by, by one in a million, what I mean is that um, you've, you've probably heard the story about Moses and the Israelites. God's people had become slaves in Egypt, and um, it actually started out really well in Egypt for them. But over the years, the pharaohs changed and, and the Israelites became slaves. And, and God chose this guy, Moses, to lead his people out of Egypt. And, I mean, there's a movie out about this right now called Exodus. What's it called, Exodus? And uh, that's a good name for it. That's the name of the book in the Bible that tells the story, too, Exodus. And um, there's, a, there's a kid's movie about it, The Prince of Egypt, okay? And, and Moses r- rallies all these slaves of God. But, but ultimately, it's God who delivers them, right? He sends these plagues, and Pharaoh's grip is like, I'm not letting my slave labor force go, and God keeps sending these plagues, and Pharaoh lets his hand go, and God's people go. Well, then God's people, God had a promised land for them to get to. This is all kind of a picture, by the way, of us and sin. Before we know Christ as our Savior, we're a slave to sin. We're powerless to say no to sin. So in your life, that might look like an alcohol addiction. It might look like a sex addiction. It might look like, I wish I could tell the truth, but I always lie, you know? Scripture says all of us are born with a sinful bent, and until we come to Christ, we are slaves to that. We have no power to say no to it. And then once we trust in Christ, God has a promised land, ultimately heaven for us, and we're kind of on a journey there, okay? Well, the Israelites literally went through this, okay? They were slaves physically, and then they go through this wilderness journey And God has this promised land for them. Well, on the journey, the majority of the Israelites started off saying, God, we love you. You're so great. Yay. You freed us from slavery. This is awesome, right? They start off that way and they slowly drift. Their hearts slowly cool and they start to mistrust God and they turn from God. And as a result, the majority of those people, though God still loved them and they're his people and we'll see them in heaven, didn't get to set foot in the promised land. In fact, out of about a million people who started in Egypt, only two of those actually set foot in the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. Uh, And this goes back to a story. There was a key moment where Joshua and Caleb and 10 other spies went in and looked at the promised land and they came back to the people and said, yeah, it's everything God said it is. The abundant life God has for you is everything he said it is, right? And, and they say that, in the, but the other 10 spies say, yeah, it's awesome, but the military forces, there's no way we could overcome them. It's just not gonna happen. And, and together, the people kind of said, yeah, we don't believe God could actually give that land to us. And so as a result, they didn't want the land, they didn't get the land, okay? Joshua and Caleb kept believing. They kept choosing God, kept choosing God. So here's what's cool about Joshua. At this point, Joshua's an old, old man. And of all the people in Israel, a lot of them have got pretty fair skin without calluses. Joshua still has scars on his back from being a slave in Egypt. And Joshua's the only one there whose feet had touched the desert sands in Egypt, whose back had felt the scourge of the whip, who had walked all the way through the wilderness, who had seen generations turn from God and seen the consequences of it. And now he's used by God to lead God's people into this promised land so here's where we find him in the story he's got the people of God now in the promised land they've had incredible victories miraculous victories and Joshua is now an old guy uh, and he's going to give kind of his final words there's this book that I listened to a few years ago on audio um, or you could get it in in dead tree version or on your kindle or whatever It's called The Last Lecture. It's not a Christian book. It's by this guy named Randy Pausch. And uh, Randy was a professor. And he got a cancer diagnosis. And he knew he was going to die in a few months. And so Randy gives this last lecture. It's really moving. It's a really, really cool talk he gives. And the idea was, okay, I know I'm dying. I know my days on earth are numbered. I mean, it's down to weeks. And I want to give to all of you people I love my here's what not to do. (laughs) and here's what to do. And, and Randy's kids were young at the time, and he said, I wanna I want tell this to the people I love, and I want it to be recorded so that my kids, who I won't be there for when they're older, they can look at these words, okay? Can you imagine if, if you were in that scenario? Like, okay, you've got, you've got four weeks, and we're, give your final words to the people you love. What do you want them to know? What do you want them to do? Because you love them and you want what's best for their life, of everything you've learned in life, what should they stay away from? What should they go toward, okay? This is where we find Joshua. He's giving a last lecture, okay? He's now led God's people into the promised land. He knows his days on earth are very numbered, and this is his last lecture. So this is him saying, of everything I've seen, a lot of ups and downs, all sorts of crazy stuff, here's what to do with your life, here's what not to do. And you can put it this way, he's gonna give some successful life habits, Here's here's some habits to have in your life if you want to have a successful life spiritually. Successful life habits that Joshua, a man of God, is going to give us. And here's the first one. I'll, I'll give them to you guys and then we'll look at them in scripture. The first one is to groom your faith by remembering the victories that the Lord has given you in the past. And giving him the credit for those. I we don't use the word groom too often these days. Maybe, we should, maybe I should have said maintain. You put maintain there. Maintain your faith. It's this idea that your, your faith is, is a gift. Your faith is an asset. And just like, you know, um, if you've got a vehicle, I hope you maintain it. It just breaks my heart as a car guy when I walk through a parking lot and I see a car and you know the tires are, are not properly inflated and... You know, I, I see cars that are like one year old and they're already in worse shape than my car that's 20 years old because they just haven't been maintained. And uh, the oil hasn't been changed. And well, do you know, in f- it, your faith is, is the most valuable thing in your life. And you can maintain it. The fact that you're here, this is good, right? You're in for an oil change, okay? Good, okay? But you can maintain your faith, you can groom your faith, you can care for it, make sure it's healthy. And Joshua did this over and over again by stopping, pausing, and looking back and seeing what God has done and then giving God the credit for it. And I won't drag you all through the book of Joshua, but he does this over and over, all throughout the book. So when he gives this advice at the end of his life, he's not um, saying something that he didn't do. Joshua has done this, and now that he's at the end of his life, he's saying, keep remembering how God has worked in your life so let's look at just a few examples of these here in Joshua 24 verse 1 we see that Joshua assembles everyone together he summons the elders the leaders the judges and officials and presents them before God then Joshua starts talking to all the people and he reminds them of their history he reminds them that as a people group as a big old tribe they go back to this guy Abraham who had been picked by God and that that really their history is one of God looking out for them and blessing them and he's going to continue and he's going to point out some specific things that God has done so let's look at the next one if we can verse five Moses and Aaron we talked about this with Egypt the exodus I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there and I brought you out so you see what Joshua's doing Um, he he's this is God talking by the way Joshua's like quoting God here okay this is looking back at your life and realizing, wow, you know, it really broke my heart when I didn't get that promotion, but now I see God was guiding me. It really broke my heart when that person broke up with me, but now I see God was protecting me. This is looking back at your life and seeing that, that God has had a role. And you look back with the eyes of faith, and this is something you can pray for. God, uh, I want to have this successful life habit. I want to I want to groom my faith by stopping, pausing to look back, and, and ask God to open your eyes and see how faithful He's been. I mean, I know there's stories in this room of you know children that that were in the hospital and weren't going to make it, or or marriages that weren't going to make it. Health problems, financial crises, times when there's negative money in the bank, right? And, and no way to pay the bills. And somehow God came through. And, and, and it strengthens our faith. It's a, it's a healthy, successful life habit to be in the habit of pausing and looking back and seeing how God has worked. Let's look at just a, a couple more examples of these in verses 1 through 13. Really, 1 through 13, every verse uh, is about this, but I'm just going to give you some highlights, okay? You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians in verse 7. Are there some things, that you know, and it's like, man, God, help my spiritual amnesia. Will you cure my spiritual amnesia? Help me be able to look back. There are things I've seen with my eyes that God has done. And sometimes I need to stop and I need to groom my faith by remembering those things. Let's look at the next one. Joshua 24, eight, I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you and you took possession of their land. Man, God, it's easy to take for granted the family you've given or the career or these other things, but you're the one who did these things, you know? A a God is what you worship and what you worship is what you give worth to, what you give credit to. When you look back on your life, does the credit go to yourself and all your hard work and all your right choices? Or does the credit go to God who has just been good? Let's look at the next one. I love this verse. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. That's saying, you know, and think about this, right? Joshua is talking to, again, over a million people now. And as they're all gathered together, do you think every person in that group was happy with their spouse at the time? You think as the land got divided up, here's the promised land, now it's gonna get divided up by these tribes, and then within the tribes, you get this field, that guy gets that field. Do you think there might've been some people there who are like, hey, I got the rocky field, and my brother, who's the black sheep of the family, got this like rich, fertile soil, right? Do you think everyone's life was going perfect while Joshua was reminding them what God has done? I guarantee you, as humans, they did not feel that their lives were going perfect, okay? But this is the spiritual skill. This is a a healthy life habit of no matter how I feel my life is going right now, I'm going to pause and I'm going to look back in faith and, and see how God has worked. Well, I wonder, can you recall some victories that God gave you in 2014? Some red seas he parted or some rivers that you crossed? Beyond 2014, if you keep going back, can you remember some things that God has done? That's the first successful life habit. Second, Joshua teaches us to identify spiritual enemies. Competing gods, small g. These aren't actual beings, but these are gods in our hearts and also in our surroundings. This is how Joshua lived. This is how he was able to keep choosing God. You know, it's one thing to say, okay, today I choose God. But what we're learning, what does that look like? Well, it looks like, remember how faithful he was and gather up some of that faithfulness of God to give you faith for the future. And then identify, what are the other things in my heart that that, that I drift toward, that I'm drawn toward instead of of God, competing gods. And there's a humility in this. There's a humility that acknowledges that I drift away. And some people never acknowledge that and so they, they drift and they just deny it, right? <laughs> there's a humility of saying there are competing gods in my heart. It takes a humility to identify them, to even acknowledge them. Let's look at verse 14 of Joshua 24. Joshua says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river, before they had crossed the river, and the gods from Egypt, and instead serve the Lord. So you see, he's identifying in your DNA, in your history, there's some other gods, and you're drawn to those. And so make a choice to throw those away and instead serve the Lord. He talks about it again here in verse 15. This is a choice. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom will you serve, whether the gods of your forefathers or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. So there's there's kind of two categories of small g gods that compete for our heart's affection. There's the ones in our, within us and there's the ones around us in the land that we're living in. What are some of the gods in the land that we're living in? Well, well you mean there's the God of success? There's the God of, of human knowledge. You know, we, we don't even need that old God deity idea anymore because we know so much now. We've got it all figured out. Uh, There's the God of of sexuality. And and of course, the true God created sexuality. And it's a beautiful thing. And and it should point us to him and how incredible he is. But but we live in a world where just sex in and of itself becomes a God. But the God of pleasure. The the God of, of just me being comfortable and entertained and fulfilled, right? So those are some of the gods around us that compete for our affection. And this is a healthy life habit to identify those so that we're aware if we're drifting toward them. There's a principle here. Having experienced God's provision and work in the past doesn't protect me from cooling in my love for him. I must continually rechoose my commitment to him and his authority in my life. So under what are some of the competing gods in your life right now? Gods of the land you live in or gods at the heart level? Third thing, successful life habit. Remember Joshua, this incredible life, incredible legacy. He's saying, take time to stop, groom your faith, remember what God has done. Take time to be humble and acknowledge that like every other person of God in world history, you have a drift away from him and identify the things that you would drift toward. Be aware of them. Third, continually choose to love and serve God exclusively. Okay, so now you've remembered how faithful God is. You've identified what the other things are that say, serve me, feed me. (laughs) I'll take care of you. We've identified what those are. And now we're gonna make a choice with our eyes wide open. This is an exclusive choice. I either I either fully choose God or I don't. Or there's a verse in the New Testament where Jesus says you can't serve both God and money. One of them's gonna be your master. So just be honest about it and pick which one. If it's money, then just be honest about it, okay? But if it's God... Be real about that. And that's what Joshua is saying here in verse 14. Now, fear the Lord. This, this fear of the Lord, especially I think for my generation and below in America, we're like, what is that about? Are we supposed to be scared of God? The, the idea here is respect. It's a respect. Uh, and a lot of us don't even know what that looks like anymore. But um, it's a respect. That this is the being who created everything. And, and if he wanted, he could with one word snuff me out of existence, he could. And yet, because I understand how he's revealed himself in his word and in Jesus, I understand that he loves me and he is for me. And so I'm so confident in him and yet I have this great respect for him. Respect God and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your forefathers. It's one or the other, there's an exclusivity here. Let's look at the end of verse 15. Again, he's comparing there's the one true God and then there's these other gods. And then Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we make this choice every day and we've made our choice and we're gonna serve the Lord. That's our choice. It's exclusive. And if it means that I don't have some of the comforts, if it means that I miss out on some of the entertainment, if it means that my life on earth is not as as cushiony and soft that's fine I've made that choice and it's an exclusive choice and I'm making it with my eyes wide open and that choice begins in the heart look at this verse chapter 23 verse 11 Joshua's kind of warming up and he says this so be very careful to love the Lord your God that beautiful verse be very careful Be very careful. Do you have anything in your life that you're very careful about? When I was a journalist, one of the first stories I wrote was a story about child drownings in pools. Down in the Phoenix area, there are all these pools and and unfortunately dozens of kids every year where parents aren't watching the kids close enough and a child falls into the pool and, you know, just takes a minute or two. So in this story... Drove all around the valley interviewing all these different people, you know, hospital CEOs. These are not stupid people, okay? These are are educated, careful people whose children died in their own backyard pools. And as a result of writing that story and sitting in living rooms with those families, now that I have kids, anytime I'm around a pool, or if we're at a friend's house and they have a pool, I am... Very careful. I'm so careful that it annoys my relatives. (laughs) We're not coming over to your house until you get a gate, okay? It it annoys them and it annoys people, but you know what? Why am I so careful because of what my eyes have seen? And Joshua's saying, my eyes have seen when people turn their backs on God. My eyes have seen when people's hearts cool from God. And out of love, I'm telling you pretty fiercely and pretty severely but I'm telling you in love, be very careful that you love the Lord your God because when your heart cools, your life goes with it, your marriage goes with it, your kids go with it. So here's our choice, the choice in 2015. I want to continually choose to love and serve you, God. Is that how you're going to start the year? You know, God, this year, I'm just, you you know, I've got some other things I want to do, but Lord, at the foundation of it all, above it all, the most important thing, I choose you. And I'm remembering how good you've been to me, and life on earth isn't perfect, and I know there's cancer and death and all sorts of pain down here, but you've been good. And I identify the things that are luring my heart away from you, and And with my eyes fully open to what I'm giving up by choosing you, I choose you. Jesus said you can't serve God and money. For others of us, it's God and comfort. And if you're a believer in Christ, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. What word would go in this blank? Can't serve God and job security, retirement. Nothing wrong with those things, but which one in your heart are you worshiping? Which one in your heart are you loving? You know, God's vision for us, his desire for us is to be in his house completely fulfilled. Remember that story, that prodigal son who ran away from his good father. When he ran away to a distant land and squandered his inheritance, did he stop being a son? No, his father still loved him. But he chose to walk out from under his father's blessing. And he suffered as a result. When you trust in Christ, you're adopted into the family of God. Your position there doesn't depend on how you perform. You can run as far away from him as you want, and you're still part of his family. You'll still be with us all for eternity, but you're running out from under the blessing of your father's house. This is a choice that says, as luring and attractive as those other things are, I'm gonna say no to them. I've identified them. I'm going back to my Father. And Father, 2015, I wanna live it under your blessing. I wanna choose you, no matter the cost, no matter how hard. So will you pray that together with me now? Father, you love every person in this room so much. I know there are some in here who need to know today that your plans for them are good and not to harm them, that when they surrender to you, you're not gonna take advantage of them or abuse them or abandon them or wrong them. I pray right now that you just gently invade those hearts, that those men and women who you love so much would know that surrendering to you is actually the most freeing and fulfilling thing we can ever do. Father, all across this room, we just want to turn our hearts to you. If there's any in here who don't yet know you as Savior, pray that right now they'd call out to you and just acknowledge, God, I'm a sinner. I have wronged you. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I want to, I want to trust in you for forgiveness. I want to be adopted into the family of God. But I pray that even this moment, People will be praying that, giving their hearts to you, being adopted into your family. Lord, those of us who know you, Lord, we want to have a legacy like Joshua. We don't want to just survive on earth. We want to take territory for you. And we want a legacy that's more than steel and glass and brick and mortar that will burn up. We, we want a legacy of lives that have changed, of relationships, of people who've been loved. So, help us to think bigger this year. And Lord, I just pray that you would warm our hearts where they've been cold, that you'd embrace us to you where we have drifted. And Lord, right now we're, we're just going to walk through these three steps that Joshua gave us. And Lord, we want to remember how good you've been. I just pray all across this room, Lord, in every heart and in every mind, that you'll be drawing to memories, hospital rooms and, and courtrooms and lonely places where you delivered, where you provided, where you put your arm around us and you walked us through those times and we remember those. We remember the rivers we've crossed. We remember the armies you've defeated. You have been so good. Not by our hand, not by our might. You have met our needs physically. You've been so good. We remember that. We choose to keep trusting you and Lord, right now, we also identify the competing gods in our lives. That God of success. That God of the savings account. That God of stuff. That God of people liking us. That God of the American dream. That God of a family where everyone in the family likes me and I'm everyone's favorite. Whatever the gods are, we identify them. Gods of this land that are... are, are so shiny and so empty. We identify them and Lord, finally we choose you. We choose you exclusively. Lord, as for me and my house, we will serve you. And I thank you that I get to be part of a church where I've got sisters and brothers who, who agree and we can lock arms together. And we say together, as for us and our households, Lord, we will serve you in this new year. So thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.